verse by verse. We're not sure how far we'll get after that, but the title of the message is Don't Be a Fretter. Now, I ran that through the English woman that I'm married to, and she has concluded that it really doesn't matter. I make up words anyway. So why even pass the... What? Oh, the Christmas play. Where is my... Lori, what do you need about the Christmas play? It's on my desk. Uh, Just go ahead. Sorry. This Sunday, second service, if you'd like to be a part of the upcoming, exciting, in-house written, no pressure there, won't tell you who it is. No, that is, I love that kind of stuff. In-house talent like that, we're so excited to see what the next uh, Christmas play will be. So, uh, this Sunday, um, after second service. So, we've got more. We still need book sleeves. So if you've got a book sleeve that uh, you would like to donate to the play, and then you can sit there and say, that's my book sleeve. Uh, instead of, that's my kid, it's my book sleeve. Bring those in. Is there still a box out there for them? So they can drop that off. Anything else, ladies? Good. Sorry. I, I apologize. I had it. And then it didn't get from there to here. Ready? Let's do that again. (laughs) Psalm 37. We did that for the video there. A psalm of David. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they will soon be cut down like grass and wither as the green herb. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for tonight that you just bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have already done a chapter that talked about fretting before. So this is really fretting part two, but it's more of an in-depth study for us, and then it's more of an instructional book. So it's a psalm to learn from, instructions for us to heed. It would seem from verse 25, we'll see that in a minute, that this is directed towards the younger, and it doesn't have to be the younger in age, more to be a younger as a walker of, there's another good work, a walker of Christ. Somebody that is, uh, he is on, she is on their walk of faith in Jesus. And so it would seem that David is writing this as he is older, looking at it from his perspective of where he has been. Much like how the Proverbs are written to us from an older to a younger perspective. And it says here in verse 1, Do not fret because of evildoers. The word do not fret, it literally means in the Greek, don't get heated or uh, don't blow your stack, right? To put it into some modern terms, right? Don't get overheated over these things. <laughs> I'm so glad that we don't have this issue in 2021. We, we have nothing to fret over, right? Just work into the next chapter, right? Uh, again, don't get worked up or it kind of like 
just cool down about this topic. But it's, it's hard not to uh, get overheated because of evildoers, right? What they are doing to our nation or what, are, what they're doing to this world or doing to people that are innocent. I mean, listen, the guy who just spoke up, uh, he's in the, in the Marines. He's being court-martialed right now. They are crucifying one guy who said he dared say anything about Afghanistan and pulling out. The one guy, and they're just going to take him to task. It's easy to get boiled over that, isn't it? This would be better for us to, to pray this prayer before we watch any news. Amen? Because we're going to see that it's instructional in its, in its context for us, and it's going to tell us simply what to do instead of getting hot. Amen? You're like, where has this chapter been? Well, it's always been here. We just always don't go to the Bible as soon as we need it. Notice, don't fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Why would he say that? Because David knows that the evildoers often, in man's eyes, gets away with it right? Nothing ever happens to them. They never go to jail for destroying their emails. Oh, it took you a moment. You're like, that's old news, right? But if you and I did that, or if we, we had incriminating, uh, incriminating information on a laptop, we would go to prison. So it's real easy then to say, well, God, then... I should be like them because they get away with it. And what God will tell us is that nobody gets away with it. Um, it has been instructful. Hopefully you see that now that we're at the end of the book of Revelation to know nobody gets away with anything. And that ultimately they will all file before the king of kings. And they will have to give an account of what they do. And what David does for us in this chapter is just say, cool down. Now, there's nothing wrong with righteous anger. Jesus was righteously angered. And he was rightfully angered in the temple. And so there are times that we can get righteously angered at the things that we see about the unborn. And, you know, we could just set out a list here. But at the end of the day, we need to remember that our dad is in control and that he is doing things, again, sight unseen that we're going to see in Job that we don't often understand. But at the end of the day, as we'll see tonight, that God loves justice. And, and it's amazing how many things in this chapter I highlighted. It, you literally could just do a yellow through the entire chapter. That's how good this chapter is and how lengthy it is and how we may only be in this chapter tonight. So let's see verse 2. Notice how David says, By the Holy Spirit, for they shall soon be cut down like grass, and they will wither as a green herb. Again, they will be taken care of. And in the grand scheme of things, God just looks at them like grass. 
Isn't that great? We fret over them. We worry about them. And at the end of the day, our dad just says, hey, they're just, they're just grass. And I can take care of that. So in verse 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, this is the fix. And there are four things for us as believers to do so that we do not fret. And this is for us as instruction. I'm going to give them to you, highlight the four, and then we'll come back. Ready? Trust, delight, commit, and rest. These four things are our fix tonight as to not be so hot and bothered over what is going on in the world. So the first one, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Isn't that wonderful? So the idea is trusting in the Lord and doing good. Instead of worrying and envying, David counsels the man or woman of God to simply trust God in what he is doing. That is a huge thing for a child of God. Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. This goes back to that our father is a good, good father. Do you really believe that? And if you really believe that, then you must trust in him that he knows exactly how much you can handle, how much you can go through. He knows that. And even when you think it's too much, he goes, eh, a little bit more. And that is us relying upon that. And when you come out of that, you're like, wow, I didn't know I could go through that much. I didn't know that I could experience that much, and yet I trusted in my Father. Isn't that good? So when I'm trusting in Him, I'm not fretting. I'm not worrying because I'm trusting in my dad. Kids do not fret. They don't. Who? I mean, wouldn't you love to just for like a week? I'm not saying for a I don't want to do junior high again, amen? And that was brutal with the parachute. I mean, forget that. I'm a child of the 80s. Parachute pants and the music and the break dancing. You were doing it. But wouldn't it be nice to know what you know now and then not fret over the dumb things? And kids didn't worry because their dad was taking care of them. Their mom was taking care of them. And so they didn't worry And so what David says, hey, let's just trust in our dad. Let's trust in Abba Father. Notice what he says, trust in the Lord and do good. Just do what's right. You and I know what is right, therefore do that. Well, what if that means I get fired from my job? What What did the first part of the verse say? Trust in dad. It's hard, isn't it? I'm telling you, we're going to see more and more of this. And this verse needs to be more and more out front in the lives of believers during this time. Trust in the Lord and do good, and dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Just think of that for a minute. They don't have stores. They don't have Walmart. They, don't, they can't just go get a loaf of bread. They can't tell your ki- teenager to go down and get you a, you know, a magnum bar. Not that I do that. 
(laughs) So listen to that. Feed on his faithfulness. He is always faithful to us, even when we're not. And then the second one is delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Delight means to be soft or pliable or to be happy about. So think about that. Be pliable. Be happy. Be soft. Delight yourself also in the Lord. So David is advising the man or woman of God to replace worry and envy with a conscious delight in the Lord that I am going to make a choice to delight in the things of the Lord. This means to cheer one's heart and mind by considering and by faith receiving multiple blessings from God. Think about how many blessings we get on a daily basis. Well, delight in that. But then he says that he shall give you the desires of your heart. And I know what you're thinking. I've been waiting for that new BMW. It says it right here that I'll get that, right? No, the idea is that uh, the delight, when I delight in the things of the Lord, that I am now aligning my heart with his heart. And therefore, his heart is often not like my heart, is it? The heart is deceitfully what, church? Wicked. So he's not going to give us those, de- uh, those wicked things of, of our heart. He, he, he is waiting for us to align ourselves with his heart, to be the servant. And so this is a wonderful and a safe promise. The one who truly delights in the Lord will find his or her heart desires change towards the desires of the Lord. Thus we see that finding delight in God is a key to a happy and a satisfied life. Think about that. Think about how many books are written about wanting to have a happy happy life. All you have to do is these four things we see here. Now that's an oversimplification, no emails. But do you understand the point? We're all trying to figure this out. God's like, my word's right here. Trust, delight, and what's the third thing? Commit. Commit your way. And the idea is, we'll see in a minute, your path. Commit your path to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. So here David explains what it means to delight in oneself in the Lord. As described in the previous verse, he tells us here to commit one's way and to truly trust in the Lord. It means to find peace, protection, and satisfaction in a surrendered focus upon God. To commit your way, your path, that I am going to be a committed believer. Um, I was up at, in New Jersey. I'll let him go by. FAA. Don't they know there's a church right here? So I was up at the radio conference last week, and we had several different pastors teaching. 
And one of this, the, the idea was, especially in radio, you have to be uber committed because oftentimes, maybe you don't know this because you're sleeping, that at three in the morning, the station will go off the air. Four in the morning, and we get, we get information. And so we have to, we wake up, and either we can fix it at home sometimes, and oftentimes we can't. When we first turned on the radio station, you can ask my poor wife. I was down here all the time returning the station back on because the devil is the prince of the power of this air, and we just went on to his territory. He didn't like WXMB 101.5 FM here locally in Myrtle Beach, right? Which is an amazing radio station. So in radio, you have to be uber committed. It is a thankless job. No one knows what's going on, the engineering or what happens. Last week, twice, we couldn't talk to the tower. And we have to talk to the tower. Because then we have information and we can turn things off and on and do what we need to do. Well, we share a space inside of there. And one of the radio stations decided to take my keyboard. When they took the keyboard, they pulled it out of the, com- the computer and it froze the computer. <laughs> and then I put a loving note that said, God will get you. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do that. I thought it, but I didn't. <laughs> I just said, don't do, don't take our... Uh, our keyboard because you froze our computer that's all I said so and I fixed it and then it did it again Pat's like hey you got to go back out there it's not talking again I'm like they took it again so I go out there but they had brought a I actually brought a second keyboard to donate to the biggest radio station in this market but they had already had a keyboard there and so I was like oh good they got my note but I had to redo the computer and the software was, you know, just messed up. It's a commitment. These are things that happen oftentimes in our life that no one else sees, but it's a commitment. And we have a commitment problem oftentimes inside of the church. I can't tell you how many times poor Alex says, hey, a teacher just didn't show up back there and have issues with commitment. This is Jesus Christ. We're at the end of Revelation. We're with him for eternity. It's a commitment. What if Jesus said upon the cross, ah, that's about an hour, I'm done. That was a full-blown commitment to you and I, his love for us, to be committed to the things of God. Commit your path, your way, because there is a way for a man, a way for a woman, and to commit, I'm going to do this, again, from the last verse, even if it cost me. David says, I will not give anything to God that does not cost me. So commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he'll bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as the noonday. And then verse 7 is the last of them, which is perfect because the writer in the Hebrew, Hebrews picks this uh, word up, rest. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Here's our beginning of verse 1 again. And do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, the way that he is going, because 
of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. So rest in the Lord. Because God has promised to faithfully take care of those who put their trust in him, then we can rest in the Lord. It becomes a, now, I don't have to worry about that anymore. I don't have to fret about that because my dad's got it. Amen? I'm going to hand it to him. I'm going to give him my life and the control of my life and whatever plagues out, it is by his design. We will learn that with Job. And everybody suffers in this life. And everybody goes through pain. And Jesus said, you will suffer persecution. You will have tribulation in this life. If they hated me, they're going to hate you. These are not seeker-friendly words, are they? But they are comfort words. Because now I rest in his finished work, and I rest in the Lord, and then we can wait patiently for him Instead of fretting and fearing that God has forgotten us or intends evil for us. I'm not sure that we're going to get much further than this chapter tonight. But Dave, in the next couple of chapters, basically says, Lord, the problems that I'm having are all from you. And that isn't necessarily the case. We do a really good job on our own of creating our own problems through sin. We don't need God's help. We don't need the devil's help. We sin successfully on our own. (laughs) And so that rest in the Lord speaks of, of just resting, and this is what the word means, the rest of silence, ceasing from words of self-defense. And the idea is that we will not speak to vindicate ourselves. We will trust in our God for protection towards, or his protection towards us. So it is stop defending yourself and defend yourself only when the Lord tells you to do that and it's clear. But again, it's let, let him do the work. So trust, delight, commit, and rest. Don't you just want to end tonight? I do. I'm hot. Let's, let's end. 22 minutes in? That's good. They can make that on the radio. He says, again, at the end of that verse, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Now, verse 8. And you wish he hadn't have thrown this one in, but he throws it in. Cease from anger. Oh. Well, if I just went through those four, then I can cease from anger. And forsake wrath. It is not the job of the child of God to bring wrath upon another individual. Does everybody got that? No matter what the sin is upon you, that is not our job. Let our dad take care of that. We want to pour out upon them all the pain and the suffering they did to us, but it is not our job to bring wrath upon anybody else. Forsake wrath. Notice, and, and this is I, I've been highlighting all through this chapter. Listen to this one. Write this one down. Highlight. Do not fret or worry. It only causes what? 
Oh, mine says joy. But that's what we think. I worry it brings me joy and comfort. It's like Linus with the blanket, isn't it? For some people, worry is their friend. They love to worry about everything. Are you a fretter tonight? Are you a worrier tonight? The word just said, knock it off. Don't do it. Do not fret. Why? It only causes harm. Worry to other people. Listen, uh, do you know your worrying affects your spouse? It affects your dog. Not that I'm the big dog lover, but the, right? Can't the dog, these dogs are smart. Not sure about mine yet, but we'll see. She's a good barker. They can sense that. Your kids can sense it. Your coworkers can sense it. But, <laughs> I'll use James as the example tonight. But James, aren't you a believer? Why are you so, why are you fretting? Ah, do you see that? I thought you trust in God. What's wrong? Do you see how that is a bad testimony? Now, it doesn't mean not to be concerned. Everybody got that? Because it's smart to have insurance on your car and in your home. It's good to pay somebody to come spray for your bugs. But we don't worry and uh, fret because it only does harm. And it can do physical harm to you. I mean, no show of hands, how many ulcer people do we have? Because of worry. What will the doctor tell you? He act, it, it can harm your body. Why do that when we don't have to do that? And so just underline that, highlight that, make note of where it is, do not fret, it only causes harm. Listen, why? Listen to this. Look at the next verse. For the evildoers will be cut off. God's going to take care of it. Don't worry about that. Does everybody see how powerful of an instructive psalm this is? This is much like a proverb uh, that is in the next book. So, for the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. So God is calling upon us to let him do the work. Let the Lord do the heavy lifting. Now in verse 10, another underlining, highlighting verse. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Well, we're reading that in Revelation, are we not? That God ultimately takes care of it. For yet a little while, and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. It's a beautiful phrase, yet a little while. Now, it ties into trusting in the Lord and waiting upon the Lord. So if I'm waiting and trusting on the Lord, a little while is just a little while, and God will take care of it. I'm amazed sometimes of the things that come out when you don't, ex that you, that, you know, you don't expect it to be leaked out, this general did this, or 
this politician did this or the CDC did this or lying about this or this. It eventually kind of creeps out, doesn't it? it? It'll all come out. It'll all be revealed. Verse 11, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in an abundance of peace. Now, the wicked plot against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. So, this is a no-brainer. The wicked will come after the just. Why does the wicked come after the just in the way that they come after them? Because you and I are a giant 1,000-watt bulb in their face. You and I are light bearers. And so we are exposing their darkness and they don't like, how many of you have a family member that just cannot have you around them? Because, the, or, right, we're going to come into the holidays, right? We're going to come into Thanksgiving and Christmas and aren't we, well, we don't even know. The government hasn't told us whether or not we're having Christmas. Our benevolent leaders. But you know that family member, and they just can't stand you, right? It's not you. You are an image of Christ. And they look at your life, and your light is shining into their darkness. Do not take it personally. It's easy to take it personally, isn't it, though? The wicked plot against the just, and they gnash at him with their teeth, But notice verse 3, the Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. His day is coming. Now, verse 14, the wicked have drawn the sword and have bent the bow. And what are they doing? They are trying to cast down the poor and the needy and to slay those who are upright in conduct. Isn't it interesting? They just want to get... Um, rid of those people who would dare um, challenge their thought process. But ours is based on the Bible. And so they fight against God, not upon us, but upon the Lord. And so they have drawn their sword, which means it's a battle. I think sometimes the church doesn't understand that the battle is raging out there. And they want to, and take this for what it is. They want to be nice and loving and gentle, but it's a war. And they are after you. We just happen to live in a nation that actually gives us rights based upon some godly men in the 1700s. Not perfect. I'm so tired of this perfect uh measuring stick that everyone wants to pull out now and don't you they never put it on their lives have you noticed that it's always on somebody hey well this is the perfect no one's perfect and no one said our founding fathers were perfect and no one said american history was perfect and no one said christian history isn't perfect there are flawed men there are flawed women and when you're dealing with men and women of, of a sinful nature, you're going to have issues. But at the end of the day, it is a battle, and they are ready, and oftentimes the church is not ready. Well, how do we do battle with them? I don't know. <laughs> but the Lord will tell you. 
Maybe it's your sword on your desk at work. Maybe it's that bumper sticker, that T-shirt that you wear. Maybe it's that music that you play in the lobby. Uh, There's a certain fast food uh, restaurant, which will uh, be named uh, later in heaven. Uh, But they have been a Christian organization for a long time. But their leader, the guy who founded it, died. And then the kids took over. And what is amazing is you started to see that corporation started to compromise. And one of the compromises was we won't have Christian lyrics in the lobby anymore. Now, listen, we have Christian instrumental music on our station, but only to get us out of an hour and a clock. It's not giving anybody the gospel. Why would you... Give ground to the enemy when it's your store, and you could do what you want. You see, oftentimes we, we fail to understand the battle that's going on, and if we just trust in the Lord and say, these are our principles, you can come eat our wonderful food or not. I was going to give it away, but you won't make me. You can either come and partake of this or not and give people the freedom and the choice that this country is based upon. Well, he says to cast down the poor and the needy and to slay those who are in upright conduct. Isaiah tells us that as we get closer to the end times, people will say evil is good and good is evil. And they will go after people of good conduct people who just dare ask a question. Not to go down the social media platform, but I am amazed how fast they censor something. I put something up by Project Veritas. What was it? Like yesterday, the day before. And within hours, I opened it up, and it had already been flagged as misinformation, even though this is coming from their very lips on video. How can it be mis... Just stop trying to figure it out, right? It's misinformation to them, but it's not. It's actually the truth that is... And how fast they will try to censor it because it's not what they think should be out there. I'm reminded of 1984. Doublespeak, newspeak, the straw man arguments, all of these things, that they, the gaslighting that goes on, all these terms that we use, if people would, they like, there's the information. Well, what's going on there is not what you actually are seeing. How is that possible? And yet, an entire country, even inside the church, are being, uh, let's keep going. Because their sword shall enter their own heart, he says. Amazing, isn't it? And their bows shall be what? So their weapons of warfare, what they're using, will eventually be be taken away. It says, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of the wicked. Wouldn't you agree? The church of Philadelphia, what does it say about it? It has a little strength. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of the wicked. 
And the arm of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds, what? The righteous. And the Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. And they shall uh, not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of the famine, they will be satisfied or taken care of. God is going to take care of his kids, ultimately. But sometimes like with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we have to be able to say, listen, our God is able to deliver us. But if not, it's okay to. But we will not bow to Nebuchadnezzar. We will not bow to the idol, to the image, to the state. We will follow what the Lord directs us to do. And so, but the wicked shall perish, and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. And the wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. Isn't this interesting? The wicked borrows and does not repay. Even in David's day, he could see this. He could see the heart of men and how greedy men really are. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous, listen, this is our part. Our our part is to show mercy and to, to show grace and to give. And for those blessed by him, they shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off, just as we saw in the last parts of Revelation. Now he says in verse 23, he says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And by the way, good is in italics, so that means it was added by the translators. It means the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his ways. And the idea here is that God plans and orders the pathway of the man or woman who lives in fellowship with him. Not not the enemies of God. And so there is a way and there is a path that God is trying to. Our problem is when we got, get off of the path that God has for us. And so then that we can oftentimes go backwards in that. And though he fall, that righteous man or woman, and though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholds him with his right hand. He upholds the one whose ways please him. And though such a man or woman might fall into trials or or tribulations, he will never be engulfed by them in a way that God is displeased with him. For the Lord holds him securely by the hand, he says. It is also the idea that when the if a righteous man falls in the idea of into sin, it doesn't necessarily mean that God is done with him. That is God's grace. That doesn't mean we cheapen it. It just means that as a believer, our way and how we walk with God is different than the unbeliever. And here he says in verse 25, we got to it finally. He says, I've been young <laughs> and now I'm old. And yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging for bread. And the idea is, I've seen it young and I've seen it old. What I've experienced in my life is that God knows how to take care of his kids. 
don't overthink that verse because he used a broad stroke. Obviously, there are going to be situations and exceptions in that, right? So don't, don't, no emails. <laughs> well, I know this person, and this is a broad stroke. And the idea is that God does take care of his kids. He also knows how to take his kids home so that they don't continue to go down a path of destruction. And that's God's mercy in somebody's life. We look at it as a tragedy. Oh, they, they were gone at 20 or 25. You don't know. Only God knows what that person was going to go down. And he pulled them out of, out of that so that they would be uh, safe and secure with him. Uh, 26, he is ever merciful, and he lends, and his descendants are blessed. His mercies are new, how much? Every, every day, every morning. And so, he is ever merciful and lends, he gives. And then verse 27, he says, depart from evil and do good. And the idea is depart from the wickedness. And David knew what it was like to live around all of those nations that God was trying to protect his kids from. And he said, hey, depart from all of that and just do what is right. Righteousness is right on living, knowing what God's word says and just doing it. So, Depart from evil and do good and dwell forevermore. Verse 28, another highlighting verse. This is what I said earlier. For the Lord loves, what? Justice. And he does not forsake his saints. They are, they are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. So if God loves justice, then he will ultimately measure that out and he won't forsake us Jesus said I will never leave you nor forsake you now the righteous shall inherit the land and they will dwell in it forever now this is interesting because we're, we, we I know I said this about 10 times already gone through revelation we can see how the Jewish nation David is looking forward to a time when Messiah would rule and reign for our purposes, we know that's the thousand-year reign. And so notice what he says here. The righteous, they're going to inherit the land, and they will dwell in it forever. And the mouth of the righteous speak wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. So notice, the person who is right on living, living a right on life, is going to have wisdom. What is wisdom? It is applying the knowledge that we have in this world or the knowledge in God's word properly to where it belongs in our life as well as justice. Verse 31, the law of his God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. So when the righteous man or woman is wanting to please the Lord with their life, right? He says, and and think about the law of God as this. It's just the entire Bible, all 66 books. We delight in the entire Bible. We're not a New Testament church. We're a 66-book church. We're the whole council of God church. So when we delight in God's holy word, we make the, Calvary Chapel Myrtle Beach, its priority 
is giving people the Bible every time you come in, in here. Not my sermons or what I think is brilliant and how I matched all these P's together or S's together in a five-point brilliant message. I'm government school educated. I can't even get to three points, let alone five. The law of God is in his heart. I, I treasure God's word in my heart. And then it says, none of his steps shall slide. Now, the wicked watches the righteous. We already knew that because they've got their weapons of war out on us. Don't be shocked when somebody in your work lies about you. Don't be shocked by that. Shocked when an unbeliever does something good around you. I, I have said this before. Let me say it about for the thousands. We cannot expect Christian behavior out of unbelievers. You can't do that. You won't be disappointed then. Because when they do something, you're like, whoa, they did something righteous. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay them. But the Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. So the Lord, again, is watching and taking care of us. Verse 34, wait on the Lord, keep his way, his path, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. So wait upon the Lord. Allow him to do the defending and keep his way. And I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. Yet he passes away. And behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, <laughs> but he could not be found. Again, David knew what it was like to see all of these nations, this wickedness all around him. He said, mark the blameless man and observe the upright. And the idea is focus on how they are living. For the future of that man is peace. The idea is, hey, whatever that guy is doing inside of the body of Christ, hang out with him or her. Do what they are doing. What did Paul say? Emulate me or follow me as I follow Christ. Heavy, isn't it? He was able to say that. But the transgressors shall be destroyed altogether, and the future of the wicked shall be cut off. And that means that cut off means completely eliminated out of the sight of the Lord. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. So it would be easy through this chapter to see all these things that we do and then we think we can get ourselves to heaven, right? <laughs> and at the end of it, Dave just throws it in and says, hey, <laughs> our salvation comes from the Lord. But the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord and he is their strength in a time of trouble. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them and he shall deliver them from the wicked and save them. Why? Because they trust in the Lord. So that was the first principle in not fretting, not worrying. 
I come, uh, he, he brings it right back to trusting in the Lord. So, David, again, counseled the man or woman of God to simply trust God and then do the good of that. So, trusting in the Lord helps us know that God's got it and that he will do the work. And <laughs> just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, again, are you okay with going home and to be with the Lord? How do they fight against people like that? But what I won't do, world, is bow to you. I only bow to one person. I only bend the knee to my Savior, Jesus Christ. I am not an arm of the federal government or the state or man. I serve Christ. So the Lord shall help them and deliver them. What a great way to end our night tonight only in one chapter. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, thank you again for your word and how powerful it is. Lord, we thank you for such an instructive chapter. How powerful this chapter is. So much to underline and to remember, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we can trust in you. Lord, that we can commit ourselves in you. That we, can, we, have, we find rest in your finished work upon the cross. We don't have to do anything more to have you love us more or less. You cannot. We thank you, Lord, that salvation is only from you and not by our own works. So, Lord, thank you for our time tonight. We thank you for the nation we live in currently. And, Lord, it is a nation built upon God's word, the heritage of this nation so precious and so lord we thank you we pray for our leaders we pray for our president and vice president we pray for all of the congress lord that they would simply surrender to jesus christ lord that their hearts would be softened to life in the womb and that life comes from you and so lord let us when you tell us that we would stand against evil. And so, Lord, thank you for our night, and we thank you for those serving in the back. In Jesus' name, amen.